morning. Happy Independence Day. In Philadelphia, in 1787, the various states in our brand new country sent representatives for a constitutional convention where they would figure out a new way of government for the people, of the people, and by the people. And they decided that George Washington should preside. And the chair he sat in, the back of it had an image of the sun. And as the delegates planned and debated and wrestled over a lot of things because our new country was having a lot of difficulty with the Articles of Confederation. Benjamin Franklin was looking at that chair thinking, is that a rising sun or a setting sun? Well, they spent a month, and miraculously they came up with a document that was original and amazing, and God led these men of faith to come up with a, a document that has now lasted for 245 years. And when, that, when they finally agreed on it, Benjamin Franklin looked at the chair and said, yes, that's a rising sun. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you are an amazing and powerful God. And your plans no one can thwart. And Father, we thank you for this amazing country, and we celebrate that on this Independence Day. So Father, we pray your blessing on our land, our day of worship. Father, help us to uh, be sustainers of this great country that you set into motion by the things we do and, Lord, by our prayers. So Father, thank you for the day. Lord, help us uh, to be all we can and to do as you would have us to do for your honor and glory, for your great name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we're going to read the word of the Lord, so if you want to find it in your hymnal or in the, the Bible in your pew, it's page 541. And if you're able, would you please rise while we read the word of the Lord together? Psalm 24, a psalm of David. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, and the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord 
strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. And Brother Paul Morgan, we come as we remain standing just for prayer. Bow with me. Father, it is an awesome thing to come before you, a holy God. And at times it feels presumptuous, except for the blood of Christ, the sacrifice that we needed, that has cleansed us from all sin and brought us close into your presence. We recognize, Lord God, that without your effort and your work and your sacrifice and your love and your grace and your unfathomable mercy, we would have no way to stand before you and bring any petition. But you're the God who has provided for our needs, and they are many. But your love is not only sufficient, but it is overwhelming. And your grace, Lord God, is boundless because our need is infinite. You have given us mercy that we do not deserve. And yet out of that love and through the power of your grace, again, you have brought us near. We recognize, Lord God, that we are a people of unclean lips and we live in a nation of people of unclean lips. But you have established this nation and you have established us as your people. Lord God, strengthen us with your power in our inner man, in our inner being, that we might live in a way that brings you honor in everything we do and say. That is only possible as the power of your spirit lives within us. So indwell us, Lord God, with strength. Let the power of your name cleanse us, Lord God, from our own agendas, and bring us, Lord God, into the purposes and plans of your design. Help us, Lord God, to understand what the will of the Lord is, that we glorify you in all that we do. You alone are God. There is no other. You alone are to receive glory and honor and praise from our lips. Let us do that in a way, Lord God, that so unites us as believers that the world would know that you are among us. Let us never cower, Lord God, away from the truth that is Jesus Christ. For there is no other way, there is no other truth, there is no other life except that which is found in you. So, Lord God, we come before you asking you to do all these things, not that we might live better, not that we might be at peace more, but that you might be glorified above all other things. Help us not to be idolaters, 
to look not to the things of this world to give us comfort. Because we are prone to do that, Lord. I think of the hymn, Prone to Wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God we love. And that is the truth of who we are. But with your spirit within us, Lord God, we need not wander. For you are the light to our path. You are the one who strengthens us for the work that you have designed for us to do. Help us to see everything that we do in light of the path that you, Lord God, direct. Let us see it as a means for bringing you glory, whether it be sharing the gospel with a person whether it be living in accordance with your word and being willing to lay down all things before your throne, whether it be digging in a garden. Let all things be done, Lord God, for your honor and your glory and show us how to do that. For without you, Lord God, we cannot see. We have no light of our own. You alone are God and you enliven our ways. As we have heard and learned, Lord God, idolatry dwells close by. Tear down all those idols. Let everything we value, Lord God, seem as dung. Let all that we own be sacrificed to your glory and excellence, that we might proclaim that glory to the world. For only that, Lord God, only that, your glory, will help us to live in light of that truth. You alone are God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. In our family Sundays as well, our chance to uh, review the catechism questions and answers that we've uh, learned in the last month. So we'll start with, what is sin? Say this with me, if you will, please. Sin, sin is rejecting, rejecting or ignoring, ignoring God, God in the world he created, rebelling, rebelling against him by living, living without, without reference to, to him, not being or doing what he requires in his law, resulting in our death and the disintegration of all creation. And our verse is from John, 1 John 3, 4. Say this together as well. Everyone, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin, sin is, lawlessness. is lawlessness. And one of the things we remember as we focus on this is that sin is a fundamental relationship. It is not wrongdoing. It is wrong being. Deliberate an emphatic independence of God. And so as we think about sin itself in light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it was Christ himself who experienced death so that we would not have to. He paid the penalty for our sin so that we would not have to. Let's stand as we sing, because we can't sit singing this, Victory in Jesus.
I heard an old, old story, how the Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood atoning. Then I repented of my sin and won the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He's taught me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about his healing, of his cleansing power revealing, how he made the lame to walk again, and caused the blind to see. And then I heard, dear Jesus, come and heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. Do you believe that? Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. I heard about a mansion he has built for me in glory. And I heard about the streets of gold beyond the crystal sea, about the angels singing and the old redemption story. And some sweet day I'll sing up there the song of victory. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing blood. And you may be seated as we continue. Our next catechism question is, what is idolatry? Hmm. And again, let's say this together. Idolatry, idolatry is, is trusting in created things rather than the creator for our hope and, and happiness, significance and security. And reading from Romans 1, 21 and 25 together. For although, although they, they knew God, God they, they did not honor him as God or give, or give thanks to him. But, but they, they became, became futile in their thinking, and their, their foolish hearts were dark. darkened. They, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the Creator rather than the Creator. Creator. 
Idolatry is one of those things that maybe we have a hard time putting a, a handle on it, but idolatry is truly loving anything more than Jesus Christ. It is treating anything as more important than Jesus as our meaning in life, our happiness, our security, our hope, and our self-regard. It is so important that we understand that idolatry is something that you and I deal with every day. You know, we read through the Old Testament, and there are things about idols that they bow down to and things like that. And so for us in the 21st century, it's like, well, what does that look like for us? But we need to understand that we still wrestle with it today. All those things, meaning of life, happiness, security, hope, self-regard, all of those things, as we pursue anything for those things outside of Christ, we, we are in idolatry. Jesus Christ alone is self-existent uh, self, uh, and, and is self-sufficient. He's all-sufficient. And Jesus Christ is your all in all. He is your hope. He is everything to us. And so as we're sitting and we're reflecting through, as we sing the song, Wonderful, Merciful Savior, He is the one that met the need of our heart. Precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Oh, you rescue the souls of men, Counselor, Comforter, Spirit we long to embrace. You are the hope when our hearts have hopelessly lost our way. Oh, we've hopelessly lost our way. You are the one that we pray. Hearts always hunger for, oh, our hearts always hunger for. Almighty infinite Father, faithfully loving your Yeah. 
Question 18. Will God allow our disobedience and idolatry to go unpunished? Together. No. no. Every, Every sin is, is against the sovereignty, holiness, and goodness of God, and against, and against his righteous law. And, and God, God is righteously, righteously angry with our sins and will punish them in his judgment, both in this life and in the life to come. And from Ephesians 5, 5 to 6 together. For you, you may, may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God. And God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because these things, the wrath of God, comes upon the sons of disobedience. You know, one of the things, as we're reflecting through these catechism questions, first and foremost, let me just say this. None of these questions make sense without God. None of these questions make sense without, in the beginning, God. And God had an intended plan that man would live with him and know him and love him and obey him and follow him depend on him, surrender to him. And man said, no, man walked away. And so now as we deal with these three catechism questions, they seem harsh and, and hard to swallow at times, but it's when we understand what we were meant to be and how we were designed to be that these questions then make absolute sense. So the idea that God is too kind to ever condemn sin and that everyone will end up in heaven does not actually find the basis of this in the Bible. This is not in the Bible. God will judge sin. It's sobering. It is very sobering for us, and it, and it must be. There is a day coming, a day that is fixed, a day that will be absolutely fair, a day that when judgment uh, rendered will be absolutely final. You see, folks, here's the deal. We deserve God's wrath. We have broken God's commands by not loving him with all of our heart and mind and strength. And so here's where we are. This is what we just sang about. We can only plead the righteousness of Christ and ask to let our punishment fall on him. What a reminder for us. And so as we, uh, as we go into our next song, we just invite you to stand one more time before the throne of God above. Thank you. 
for the throne of God above. I have a strong and perfect plea, the great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. No tongue can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the Guilt within, upward I look and see him there, who made an end to all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free, for God the just is satisfied. To look on him and pardon me. To look on him and pardon me. Before the there the risen lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness. The great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace. One with himself I cannot die, my soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my God. One with himself I cannot die, my soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my God. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. So, as we're focusing in on these catechism questions, and it is our family Sunday, and so we will participate in communion today. Just a couple of thoughts as we, uh, before we partake uh, this morning. Two questions, one thing. And there's no notes for this, just uh, listen along. And so there's just two questions that, that I have for you and I today. Um, and, I, and I would encourage you, as you think about them, as you hear the questions, that you would answer them honestly, without without pretending to be more devout than you or I actually are, and specifically without providing vague 
generalize, uh, don't, don't generalize this out, okay? Just, just seriously think about it. The first question is this. And, I, and I've had to, as I've pondered these questions this last week, um, if you had the ability to change one thing in your life, don't answer this out loud, what would you change? If you had one, if you had the ability to change one thing in your life, what would you change? And the second question is this. If someone very wealthy and very powerful offered to fulfill one thing, the one thing you desired, what would you request? So the first one is if you had the ability to change one thing in your life, that's the first one thing. What would you change if someone very wealthy and powerful offered to fulfill one thing you desired? What would you request? Let me just start with my own confession. Um, that's hard to do. But here's my confession. Most days, my answer would not sound like this. One thing have I, to, have I asked of the Lord that I would seek and that would I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire and to inquire in his temple. Let me just read that one more time. Psalm 27, 4. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I would seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. You see, there, there are moments, I'm just going to be honest, there are moments uh, in, in my day or, or sessions in my, seasons in my life when, when I am spiritually alive and I, and I am passionately pursuing the Lord. There are those times. But I just want you to know that there are times when I'm not. There are times when uh, one of the prayers uh, th this morning that, Lord I'm, uh, oh, Lord, I'm prone to wander from the God I love. Can you relate to that? There are moments, though, that in, in my day and, and in, or in the seasons of my life when, I, when I'm spiritually alive and passionately pursuing the Lord. Yes, by grace, here's the thing. Um, that, that is a possibility, and that is a reality for each and every one of us here. You know, some of you are in, in that season right now, but the, but the spiritual reality for many of us is that at, the, at some point, our one thing, our one thing, is not actually Jesus Christ. It's not. It's not Jesus Christ. Here's why that spiritual reality is dangerous. Whatever your one thing is, it will control your heart. Whatever your one thing is, whatever my one thing is at that moment in time, and, that, and just that, that passing thought or whatever it might be, whatever that one thing is, it will control your heart. The Bible is clear that whatever controls our heart will exercise inescapable influence over our words and our choices and our actions. That one thing will shape and direct our responses to the situations and the, and the locations and the relationships of daily life. You know, again, I was—I we had a chance to do a wedding uh, for my nephew Marcus, and 
his his now wife uh, Janelle, and I and I just want to say, you know, Marcus never really thought he was going to get married, and so here he's married, and I'm telling you what, that boy was beaming from north to south. He had just a great smile on his face, and everything in that moment for him was was Janelle. Not that Jesus Christ was not at the center of those thoughts, but he was so excited that one thing was was shaping and, and directing his responses and his his uh, situations and locations and relationships. At one point, he got to talk, and he kept giggling. It was just fun. It was fun to watch. I mean, he was just so in the moment. Janelle, the same, was in that moment. And and, and again, if the just to bring it back to the centrality of Christ and what we're talking about here, if the Lord God Almighty is not our one thing, something else will become our functional Lord. Did you hear that? If Christ, if God is not our one thing, something else will become our functional Lord. Whether for a moment or a day or a month or a season or for many years, this one thing will exercise dominion over us in some way, in some shape, and in some form or fashion. It will, I guarantee you, and most of you know what I'm already talking about, that one thing. So no matter where you are, no matter where I am, and no matter how long you, um, you have been a disciple of Christ, we just need to understand, and these, these last three catechism questions just bring the reality, what is sin, what is idolatry, and will God punish? They bring the reality that you and I are in desperate need of someone to rescue us. Amen? So we have a need, folks, that we can't fix. We need saved. We need reconciled. There is a war that is being fought on the turf of our hearts for that one thing. There's one thing that your heart and my heart craves. There's one thing that you look for, for to for satisfaction, for contentment, and for peace. There's one thing that you mourn that it might be taken away. There is a battle, folks, that is waging in our hearts and minds. And again, so the question is, before we go into our time of communion, is this. Today, what is your one thing? What is your one thing? So here's a couple questions and thoughts as we end. Would you confess with me that there are many moments when Jesus Christ is not your one thing? That's hard to do. We come to church and we want to say, no, Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Savior. But I just want you to know because I know myself that I don't always live that way. And neither do you. So could we just confess openly before the Lord? That's what communion is all about, is coming before the Lord and confessing not only that Jesus is Lord, but also confessing that, Lord, you have not always been the Lord in the way I've lived. And I'm confessing that. Would you examine your heart with me and find the one thing that competes with Christ as Lord? What is that thing that competes? Would you submit yourself to the spiritual community, the family of God, and, and allow others to help you with your one thing that you struggle with. You know, it's, it's interesting. Here's one of my one things. One of them. 
Um, and it's really funny and ironic that I am where I am today, that God has brought me to this place, because really my one thing is this, that I would rather, that I prefer to be by myself. Isn't that interesting? I, I, I prefer to be by myself. And, and, and yet in my whole life, my whole growing up life, God has gently nudged and sometimes just booted me again and again and again into the face and into the arms and into the lives of people. And not only does he just say, just put me in front of them, because then it's like, now what do you do? Then he just says, now I want you to love them and I want you to speak to them and I want you to introduce yourself to them. Last, last night we were handing out invitations to the Something More Family Festival. Folks, I was speaking to people that I've never met in my entire life. Most of them I'll never see again. But it was God was just pushing me, pushing me, pushing me. And he is pushing each and every one of us, gently nudging us and causing us, calling us to call out that one thing that stands in the, in the way or in the place of him. And there could be a number of them. I just named one. But again, would we be willing to submit ourselves to the spiritual community and allow others to help us with our one thing? You see, Jesus Christ died so that your heart, that my heart would be free from the bondage of any one thing that isn't himself. That's the joy of where we are today. Going through these catechism questions, they, they just seem kind of dark and ugly and, and, and they penetrate deep within us and they expose the, our neediness and, and, and our, our, um, the, the fact that for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, it, it exposes all of that. But it also reveals to us that in order for Christ to be that one thing, there are things that must be removed. There are things that must be let go of. There are things that must be surrendered to him. And I don't know, as the body of Christ, folks, that's an everyday experience. That's a daily, moment-by-moment, 24-hour experience. And so as we go into this time of, of, of communion, and I'm going to ask my accompaniment people to come up at this time, but I just want to read a passage uh, as we prepare. And I just want you to take some time this morning. But in 1 Corinthians 11, uh, 24 and 25, um, the Apostle Paul is speaking to the Corinthian church, and he says this. And he is, Jesus Christ himself is giving communion, and Paul's reflecting on this in his writings in the, to the Corinthian church. And when he, Christ, had given thanks, he broke the bread that was before him. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Today we're celebrating uh, freedom that we have in our country, even though a lot of those freedoms are being taken away, folks. And we need to understand, we need to, even, even there we need to stand for the freedoms that we've been given, but we also need to understand that we have freedom in Christ because he took our place in bodily form on the cross. And then it goes on in the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. And he says, do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. And so if you have your communion with you uh, today, uh, your, your cup, and um, again, the, the wafers on the top, you tear the first little tab, 
And as a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're here as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are welcome to partake with us. If you are not a believer here today, we want to say thank you for coming today. But we also want to say that what we are participating in, the communion of uh, uh, just the Lord's Supper, is we are being uh, together, we are being reminded of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. That he took, the, he took our place on the cross. He paid the price for our sins. He shed his own blood on the cross so that we might be washed clean. We are identifying with that today. The Lord Jesus Christ invites you today, if you've not made that decision, to accept him, to follow him as your Lord and Savior, to, to call out to him and say, Lord, I need you. I need rescue today. I repent. Be the Lord of my life. Be my Savior. Jesus took the bread, and when he had broken it, he passed it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Take and eat it. Again, he took the cup. Took the cup. And he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. Remembrance of what? What I have done for you. Shall we partake together? Father, we want to say thank you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Lord, that as we go through these pieces of the catechism question, Lord, they're not, they're not, uh, they're not fun to, to think about. They're, uh, they're revealing, they're exposing, and they were meant to be. Lord, what is sin? What is idolatry? Will, will you allow our sin to go unpunished? Lord, these are all important questions that need to be answered. God, we just want to say thank you that you had a plan before the foundations of the world were set in play. Lord, to send your son, Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, to save, to rescue, to, to through his sacrifice, through the shedding of his blood, Lord, that we might be made right with you through faith in what he has done for us. So we want to say thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. Lord, thank you for this day. And as we celebrate today, God, we give you praise. We give you glory and we give you honor. Lord, we pray that as we go out into this world today, Lord, as maybe many of us will, will rub shoulders with people in the parade, Father, may it be an opportunity just for us to be the, the hands and the feet and the eyes and the heart and the mouth of Jesus Christ. God, we have the answer. You live within us. God, we pray that, that you would fill us up. Lord, fill each church in this community up that, they, that, we might, that we might not just see you and know you, but Lord, that we might just tell others about you. God, may you be praised, not just today, but every day as we go forth from here. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand as we sing. May the people praise you.